Welcome to the Salem Fields Community Church Podcast of the Weekly Message. We hope that you find this podcast personally helpful, and we also encourage you to share the subscription link found at salemfields.com podcast with your friends that might be able to use some practical advice and encouragement. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? You're not doing so well. How's everyone doing this morning? Are you happy to be here? Some of you are. All right, we're getting better. Hey, we're going to continue our series, The Lost Art, Rediscovering the Forgotten Stories, and today we're going to be talking about the story of Jonah. You know, over the past four weeks, we've rediscovered some of the forgotten stories of Daniel's, Daniel in the lion's den, and Noah's ark, and Esther, and then last week we talked about David versus Goliath. In the story of Daniel, we saw how, how Daniel refused to worship any other god, and out of his obedience um, to, to doing that, uh, he was thrown into the, the lion's den. But yet his life was still spared. Noah's obedience led to not only his life being spared, but that of his entire family. And so many of the wonderful animals we get to enjoy today, right? Then there's Esther. Esther was obedient to what God was asking her to do. And she went even and spoke up to her, her husband, who was the king. And out of the fact that if she approached the king, that could even cost her her very life if she wasn't spoken to first. But yet, because of her obedience to God, God spared not only her life, but the entire Israelite community. And then there's the story of David and the small boy that we learned about last week who obeyed God to his calling to slay Goliath. That ultimately led to him becoming God's beloved King David. All these stories have a similar theme of obedience to them. These stories, these Bible heroes are, are heroes that something that I know that I hope that I could be true to. To being obedient to God immediately and, and, and always. Um, but that's just not how my life has gone. I don't think that's how about, I think we all try to aspire to be some of those biblical heroes. This week we're going to take it another story, which I believe that we all can relate to. At least I know I can relate to it. It's the story of Jonah the prophet. It's a story of a true man, that, which we equate to ending up into the belly of a great fish or a whale in some versions that we've heard. This is a story of disobedience. It's also a story of forgiveness, redemption. It's a story that truly demonstrates just how deep and wide God's love is for us. Okay, everybody stand up. Get your hands ready. You guys got to do the motions? Yeah. All right. Yeah.
not done yet. One more time. I think you all can sing it a lot louder. Find your inner child. Do the hand motions real big because God's love is real deep and it's real wide. All together. Let's sing it again. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain falling deep and wide. Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. All right. All right, you can all be seated now. Well, like I said, we're going to be starting the story of Jonah and um, for those that know the story, we know that this is a man that ends up in the belly of a whale or a great fish, and I couldn't think of anything better to do than to try to think of the top 10 things that we would do inside the belly of a whale. So here we go. Number 10. Can you hear me now? Number 9. Pray that he's bulimic. Number 8. Have a bonfire and a fish fry. This one's kind of gross, but... Uh, number seven, open a sushi bar. Number six, finally get to writing those thank you cards from our wedding 10 years ago. Number five, so this is what the inside of the whale looks like. Number four, finally get motivated to read Moby Dick. Number three, listen to my old sermons. Number two, call your mother. And number one, thing that you can do when you're inside the belly of the rail is run, run, and run, and run until you're all pooped out. <laughs> all right. So we're going to continue on with our journey, and we're going to discover who Jonah really is. So we're going to be reading, I'm going to be reading from the voice translation uh, of the story of Jonah in Jonah chapter 1. One day there w- the word of the Eternal One came to the prophet Jonah. The Eternal One, God, says, get up and go to the powerful and notorious city of Nineveh. Call out my message against it because the wickedness of its people has come to my attention. And hearing those instructions, Jonah got up and ran towards Tarnish from the Eternal's presence. He went down to the the port of Joppa and found a ship bound for Tarnish. I I said this so right in the past two services. Tarshish. There we go. I'm going to say Tarnish, but Tarshish. All right. He climbed aboard, paid the fare, and he found himself comfortable, holed up in, in the ship. Now, our Bible kind of, I like the voice because it kind of gives you a little bit of a history lesson of what's going on in, in there. So it breaks it up here and it says this, The Lord calls Jonah to Nineveh, but instead he runs full speed to Tarshish, a great and wealthy city on the coast of Spain. It's about as far west as most Israelites have ever ventured, while Nineveh is as far east as most Israelites have ever gone. Now, Nineveh is a great city and the fiercest enemy of Jonah's people. So Jonah is afraid and wants to be completely away from the calling from, of, of, of anyone who may be inclined to go on this ill-fated adventure. So Jonah's heading in the opposite direction of where God wants him to go. And then the eternal one threw, into, because of that, he threw into an intense wind of the sea. The violence of the storm put Jonah's ship in jeopardy of breaking apart. The sailors panicked. They started running back and forth, throwing the cargo overboard board to lighten the load of the boat. Every man out of desperation cried out to its own deity, its own God. Eventually, the sailor found Jonah down in the, and held up in the ship where he lay, had lain down and fallen asleep into a deep slumber. When the captain heard this, he went down and woke up Jonah. The captain says, how can you so deep sleep so deeply? Get up and call out to your deity or 
God, and may the, your deity, maybe your deity will see what is happening and save us from this catastrophe. The sailors started talking to one another. You know what we should do? We should cast lots and find out who is ultimately responsible for our distress. So they cast their lots, and Jonah's name was chosen. The sailors asked, who are you? We must know who is responsible for this disaster that would swallow us into the sea. What do you do? Where are you from? What country is your home? Whom are you descended from? Jonah replies, I'm a Hebrew, and the God from whom I worship is the Eternal One, the God of heaven. He made the sea and the land, so he controls them. After interrogating him, the sailors were terrified because of Jonah, because Jonah had told them that he was run away from the, the Eternal's presence. The sailors to Jonah said, what have you done? Because of you, we're all going to be killed. What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Jonah, shouting back, says, God is using the sea to punish me, so pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will grow calm again and you'll be safe. This is all my fault. This great storm of my God's anger has built up against you because of me. The sailors fear for what will happen if they were to kill one of God's people. The sailors ignored Jonah's advice and tried to row back to land, but they made no headway because of the violence of the storm kept growing. So the sailors then turn and they cry out to God, Eternal one, please, we beg you, do not kill us as if we had murdered this man, and do not punish us as if we had killed an innocent person. We understand that you are the eternal one and do as you please. And at that, they grabbed Jonah by the arms and his legs and they threw him overboard. And when they did... The raging sea grew calm. The sailors were even more terrified of the eternal one. They offered sacrifices to him and made promises to him. Although the eternal didn't let Jonah die. He chose a large fish to swallow Jonah. For three days and three nights, the prophet Jonah sat safely inside the belly of this fish. Now, some would say, how could a man survive in there? But why are we reading this story? But I'm telling you that this story we can all relate to. You see, the Jonah story, I believe, is a story, definitely it's been a story of my life. And I believe that we can all kind of relate a little bit to the story of Jonah and how it relates to ours. You see, first of all, we've all heard God at some point tell us to do something. We've all felt that nudge on our heart, whether it's been in a service here, or that you've been praying or reading your Bible, that you felt God calling to you to do something, but yet you just didn't do it. You see, Jonah was asked, in, in Jonah 1, 1 through 2, says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go into the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because your, its wickedness has come up before me. And Jonah was asked to do something by God. After all, he was a prophet. He was supposed to be obedient. He was supposed to be the, the deliverer of God's message to the people. But yet, a lot of times we feel that we know better than what God's asking us to do, don't we? So the story is like our story as, as much as Jonah's story is ours because the second thing is we usually do the opposite and disobey what God has asked us to do. Jonah, in verse 3, he ran away from the Lord. He headed as far away from where God was asking him to go that he could possibly go. This story is no different than you and I disobeying and not answering to what that little knock on our heart or the thoughts that go on in our mind that God's asking us to do. 
You know, there was a time when, when, uh, when I had to correct my children because um, they thought it was a cool idea to go and sit out on the porch roof. Um, and I said, did something go off in your head that might, might not be really cool, that might be dangerous? They're like, oh, yeah. I'm like, well, that was probably God telling you, one, you're going to get, in tr- hey, trying to save you from getting in trouble. And two, uh, that's not a good idea. It's not safe. Sometimes we don't listen to that voice, do we? We disobey God. And we go in the opposite direction of what he's calling us to do. And when we do that, when we do that, we end up just like Jonah. We end up trapped. When we run from God, we tend to get trapped like Jonah did. You see, Jonah didn't die. God spared him, but he ended up trapped. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days, three nights. You see, this story has been much of my life. I would obey God in some of the things and then run from him in other, the opposite direction in other things he wanted me to do. It's as if I knew better than God. Because after all, it's my life. Isn't that how we take it sometimes? Much of what I continued to run from and deal for me personally and dealing with was my past hurts of my life. To be perfectly honest here, I was running from my Goliath, which we learned about last week. Because of my running from God, I was running from God asking me to do, I realized, I realized all this up until last November. I've been running from God to do something that he's been asking me to do up until last November. And I've been living in the belly of this great fish, trapped. It was only when I did what Jonah did that I found myself being freed by God. So let's read on in the story of Jonah and see how he was able to escape the belly of that great fish. In chapter 2, it goes on. It says, to his God, the eternal, Jonah prayed from inside the great fish. Jonah reveals in his prayer a change of heart. He thanks God for saving him from the angry sea. Jonah says, with desperate cries, I beckon the eternal to hear and answer me. From the belly, the place of death, I cried out to you, and you have responded to my voice. You threw me into the watery depths and cast me into the middle of the chaotic seas. The waters closed in around me. Your waves broke over me. Your surf swelled as I sank into the depths. But then I said to you, I have been driven out from before your very eyes. Still, I know I will gaze again on you, on your holy temple. The waters, they swallowed me to the depths. The deep abyss was covering over me. Seaweeds were wrapped around my head, trapping me. And as I sank down to the mountains where the mountains are rooted to the earth, I went down to the place where death's gate would lock me in forever. Yet... You lifted me up from the pit, eternal one. You are my God. Only as I, my life was fading away did I remember the eternal. To your sacred dwelling, your holy temple, my cries did rise to you. Those who worship worthless idols turn their backs on God and renounce their loyal love. But I will sing to you and, and sacrifice to you with a voice filled with thanksgiving. Whatever I promise, I will certainly pay it because deliverance is from the eternal alone. Then the eternal one directed the fish and vomited Jonah onto the shore. How would you like to exit that way? But how, how, is it, how can we escape the belly of the great fish, the, the belly of the trap that we are living in in this life? This is truly not the way that God has intended for us to live, is to live this trapped life. What we do is what Jonah did. The first thing is we pray for forgiveness from our disobedience. 
We pray for God to forgive us from our disobeying what he's asked us to do. To see what else we do to escape the belly of the whale, we need to continue to read the story. Chapter 3. The word of the eternal came to the prophet Jonah a second time. So the second time, God comes to Jonah and says, Get up and go to that powerful and notorious city of Nineveh and pass to them the message I am giving you. Well, having learned his lesson, Jonah yielded to the eternal's command and headed down the road to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was an important city, so large of a city that it took three days to travel through it. Jonah had barely begun to walk the first day's journey into the city when he stopped. He stopped. And shouting to the people of Nineveh, he says, After 40 days, Nineveh will be annihilated. It's like walking into Fredericksburg and saying, In 40 days, Fredericksburg will be no more. Spotsylvania will be no more. With that announcement, the people of Nineveh started to trust in Jonah's God. Every person, whether young or old, rich or poor, male or female, fasted and wore a sack as a sign of remorse for their past wickedness. Now I'm going to pause there and understand what wearing a sack is. And, and you're going to read about what the king does as he sits down into the dust. Ash Wednesday, the start of the Lent season, the Easter season, is we, those ashes that go on the foreheads of the people are a symbol of their repentance towards God. People would put it on, cover themselves in ashes and wear sackcloth as a sign that they were repenting of their disobedience to God. So, this is what everybody in Nineveh did. The people of Nineveh had told each other about this until the news made it all the way to the king of Nineveh, who ruled the entire Assyrian Empire. The king changed from his royal robes to a sackcloth, and instead of sitting up on high, his high throne, he sat down in the low dust. He set out an official message to his subjects. The king's message goes by this. By order of the king of Nineveh and his nobles, no human being, animal, cattle, or flock may taste anything. None of them may go out to eat or drink any water. Instead, let the both humans and animals cover themselves in sacks. Let all who belong to this empire call to God sincerely and turn of their wicked ways in violent acts. Perhaps... Jonah's God will show mercy and relent from his judgment. Perhaps, out of compassion, he will not unleash his fierce anger against us, and we may be spared. Now, God saw all that they did, and he turned how they turned from their evil ways, so he relented and decided not to unleash the disasters. He said he would go through, through his servant Jonah. Well, how did Jonah, how do we escape this trap that we live in? The second part of that comes in the beginning of that chapter. Is what Jonah did is he turned back around and he did exactly what God asked him to do in the first place. If we're going to escape the traps in the, the, of the life that we're living, sometimes we need to turn back around and walk back towards God, hear his command, and then be obedient to what he's asking us to do. Because of that obedience, Jonah's life was spared. Now, Jonah, much like us, sometimes we don't like the justice that we think other people deserve. And in chapter 4, you can go on to read that he's still very human and he pouts under the tree because he was expecting God's wrath to rain down on the Ninevites, but yet God spared them. So what's this then story also tell us about God? 
See, because the Ninevites weren't God's chosen people. They weren't the Hebrews. They weren't the Israelites who God's chosen people who they loved and who they, he, he cherished. So why would he spare these, these powerful, notorious people of Nineveh? Well, the story that tells us about God is this. And first of all, first of all, to Jonah, it shows that God is a God of multiple chances. See, he gives us multiple chances because God loves us that much. He's a God of second, third, fourth. Even sometimes it takes us a thousand chances to get it right before God. But yet, that's how much he loves us. That's how deep and wide his love goes. That he's, as long as we are trying to seek out him and try to be obedient as Jonah was, the chances continually come. It says, says this in Jonah 3, 1. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I've given you. So he gave him a second chance. He gave Jonah that second chance. The second thing of that, that the story really talks about, about God is that his love, he loves all people and desires for everyone to be redeemed. He desires to redeem us all. He desires for you and I to be in a relationship no matter where we were last night, what we did, or where we're going tomorrow, or what we do to mess up this week. He wants to give us that other chance to be redeemed. He wants us to be redeemed so we can be in a relationship with Him so that we can ultimately experience some freedom. The, the, in Romans 3.22 it says, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ who, to all who believe. There's no difference between a Jew and a Gentile. What this story goes to show is that God was already showing that his grace was for everyone. His grace was not just for his chosen people, the Israelites, but yet it was for the Ninevites as well. He was already foreshadowing what he was going to do through the sacrifice of his own son, Jesus Christ, on the cross for all. And that's what he did. I like what Romans 3.22 says in the voice version. It says, this redeeming justice comes through the faithfulness of Jesus, the anointed one, the liberating king. Our liberation from our trapped lives comes through our liberating king, Jesus Christ, who makes salvation a reality for all who believe without the slightest partiality, without the slightest prejudice. It doesn't matter. It's for all. It's for you. It's for me. God's grace is there for us all. They want to accept it. And when we pick up on that grace and we find ourselves, turning ourselves back around with the second, third, fourth, fifth chances that God's given us, and we start heading in the direction God's asked us to go to in the first place, we experience true freedom. See, God wants us to experience true freedom. Now, he wanted Jonah to experience true freedom by being vomited out of the fish. He wants to throw you out of your trapped life. He wants to throw you out of the belly of the fish that you're living in today. He wants to do that because he loves you so much. Because his love goes so deep and wide. And his love is like a fountain. So deep and so wide for everyone. His deep love for us will never end. He wants us to experience that true freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, So stand strong in our freedom. The anointed one, God, Jesus, freed us so we wouldn't have to spend one more day under the yoke of slavery trapped under the law. Yes, the world throws a lot of stuff at us. Throws a ton of stuff at us. And we can be trapped by it. 
But we don't have to live under the law of this world and land and be trapped by it anymore because God is our true grace, our redeeming power, our freedom that we can have in there. Romans 7.25 says, I'm thankful to God for the freedom that comes through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So here's what's going to happen for the rest of the service. I'm going to pray. The band's going to come out. And they're going to sing a song. The song is, speaks about the second chances that God's given us. But don't let us leave during this song. Because I want to share to you, with you exactly after the song, how the story of Jonah was made real in my life just this past year. So let's bow our heads and pray in this time. You know, during this time, maybe it's going to be that during this time that God's calling you to do something very specific. And I ask that you would be obedient to that. Maybe that's coming up out of your seat and kneeling down before him today and being obedient to what he's asking. Lord, we thank you so much for what you've done here this morning. We thank you for being a God of multiple chances. Thank you, Lord, for being a God that, that loves us so much that your love is for everyone here, each and every person, no matter race, no matter age, no matter gender. Your love's here, Lord, for all. Lord, I pray that today that we would be able to experience a new life, a new life of freedom with you today. Would you give us the strength, Lord, to truly be, to stand up and to be strong and obedient to what your call is? Maybe you're here this morning and you, you're feeling your heart race. And, and, and you're, you've, you've not been obedient to it yet, but you know you need to be obedient by starting that relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, you can do that this morning by just simply praying this prayer of accepting Jesus, by saying, Lord, I accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe that he, you sent him down to earth and that he died on the cross so that my sins may be forgiven. And through his blood, I'm forgiven. And then you simply say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for what you've done. When you've done that, you've experienced freedom. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you need to hear that prayer again because your heart's racing and you need to say it one more time and you simply, again, just pray this prayer. Lord, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my sins so that I may be forgiven. Thank you, Father, for what you've done in my life today. Maybe we've been believers for a long time, but yet we've still been running away from what God's called us to do. So surrender that today to the Lord. Ask for forgiveness for, for not listening to what he's asked us to do so that you can experience freedom today. During these moments of this song, allow this to be your time to be obedient to God. So we'll stand. We're going to worship together. The altar's open. Be obedient to God in these next moments. Lord, have your way during this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we'll stand as we continue to worship, and then I'll come up and finish the story of Jonah. You can be seated. Countless second chances we've been given at the cross. Countless second chances we've been given at the cross. We should be excited because God is a God of second chances, multiple chances. And he wants us to turn and run towards him and run and be obedient towards him so that we can experience freedom in a whole new way. 
So to wrap this all up, I thought I'd go back and share just a little bit about the trap that I had been living in. Six years ago this month, I was sitting in my office here at the church, and I had a conversation with my dad that went like this. I basically went and I said, I'm finished with our relationship. From that point on, I continually blamed him for how things were, instead of looking at myself and dealing with the hurts of my past. See, God, over that time, over the span of six years, he continually asked me to deal with this pain, to deal with this hurt, this broken relationship. But I just continued to run as far, far away from it as I possibly could. I wanted to remain the victim of my past rather than allow myself to have true victory over it. And then what's happened to me as a result of all this running is that I've ended up trapped in learning how to truly deal with my feelings and how to handle the relationships that are the, to, with those that are closest to me, which ultimately affected me being exactly who God created me to be. Well, last year, at the beginning of the year, I started off on a journey that I was set out on to truly define, to discover who I am in God and how, who he created me to be. And after praying a specific prayer for 11 months, I had my Jonah moment. Not my aha moment, but my Jonah moment of freedom. From inside the belly of that great fish that I had been living in for so long, God spoke to me in an audible voice on November 5th, 2013 at 7.35 in the morning. I will never forget it for as long as I live. It was my prayer time. It was the time that I got up and tried to do every morning for the past 11 months where I went down onto my knees to surrender my day to the Lord. That in that, that the God would grant me through the Holy Spirit that he'd work through me that day that I may be able to impact somebody's life was showing them the love that God had for me. My prayer continued on as it always did that God would have freedom to capture my thoughts because we have free will after all. And we can think and do whatever we pretty much want to do. But I ask God to capture my thoughts. And then finally, I always prayed that, Lord, would you identify those, help me to identify the things in my life that I need to deal with and, and to come to terms with so that I can be free and I can truly be the person you created me to be. And that's how my prayer would go almost every day. It would take me about five minutes. But this particular day, 35 minutes, on my face, and started praying things I'd never even prayed for. People that, that popped in my head and, and all these things. And at the very end of it, at the very end of my prayer, as I'm there with my eyes closed, and sometimes, you know, my, I, I don't know you, but when I close my eyes, sometimes I see pictures. But everything went white. The brightest white that I could ever imagine. As I'm face down into the carpet of my floor in my bedroom, and God's voice spoke to me. One last person came to my prayer time, and that was my dad. And God said this, call your father and tell him that you love him. Now, I have to be really honest with you here. That's not what I wanted to do. I didn't even do it immediately. Because I wrestled with this, because I didn't want to have to deal with the past hurts and pains. So I tried to find every excuse and every way to get out of this. So on November 6th, I'm coming back from Kieseltown, where we had been for our family to have a dinner that day. And I knew that I had to be obedient to what God was asking me to do. So we got home, got ready for swim practice, 
and I started to drive my daughter to swim practice. She could tell that I was super stressed. What's wrong, Daddy? What's wrong with you? What's going on? Uh, Gracie, I just, I've just got to deal with something. I'm, you know. Well, what is it? What do you have to deal with? Uh, it's just too hard for you to, uh, to understand, Gracie. But no, you can share. You can share with me. You know, she's very, very persistent. So I told her. I said, "Well, Gracie, I've got to make a tough phone call. I have to call your grandpa." Now, Gracie's never met my father. I mean, he's met her when she was six months old. But she, when I shared that with her, got the biggest smile on her face. She said, I'm proud of you. And that gave me the strength. It gave me the strength to do what I knew I needed to do for so long. I dropped her off of the pool, and I walked the pool parking lot. And I called my dad. And in that moment, I thought at first, I thought, man, when I call him, I'm just going to say that, hey, I've got to call you. I've got to tell you I love you. And that was going to be it. I thought it was just going to be this superficial conversation of love. But you know what? God showed up. God showed up in a powerful way in that phone conversation. Because when I called him and I picked up the phone and I answered, he answered the phone, God had been doing something in his life too. And I could, the evidence of that took place in that conversation. But when I told my dad, that, Dad, I've got to call you. I'm being obedient to what God's asked me to do. And I want you to know that I love you. When those three words, I love you, came out of my mouth, it was the most genuine words of love that I've ever expressed towards this man, ever. And in that very instant, in that very moment of that, I found freedom. I had been trapped. And I had now complete peace and freedom. And we had left the, the conversation was that we don't know where that relationship is going to go. But I'll tell you this. Because of that, as a result of that, I have a relationship with my dad now. I have a dad that's now reaching out to my children who hasn't reached out to them for a long time. They have a grandfather. And it's been awesome. And there's a restoring relationships within my family that are taking place because I decided to not live trapped anymore, to be obedient to what God has been asked me to do. This is just one of the many things that God has done over the past year because of turning around and obeying Him and doing what He's asked. Now, when you have been freed because of your obedience to God, we should do what Christian said last week, and which is our sling today, that we should celebrate. For those that came down here and, and were obedient to what God was asking them to do and they're praying those things, well, they need to celebrate because God's going to do something special in life. For all you that have been obedient and are going to be obedient to God this week, we need to celebrate what God's going to do because we want Him to take it all. We want Him to take it all so that we can experience true freedom. So we're going to stand together. We're going to celebrate. If you are a new Christian and would like to know what to do next or where to go from here, you will want to get a free Next Step packet that contains reading materials and useful resources that will point you in the right direction. For more information, please contact Salem Fields Community Church at 540-786-6212 or visit our website at salemfields.com or email us at podcast at salemfields.com.